Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. And we are coming to you for a very special episode of the Church Planner Podcast. And it's special because we missed last week. Peyton, yeah. why did we miss last week? It was my fault. I was in North Carolina training church planners. And I was I in North Carolina expanding the gospel. <laughs> and Pete won't leave me alone about it. Hey man, I'm. I, it's like Nehemiah, right? I like the uh, the kind of Blues Brothers line out of Nehemiah where he goes, "Hey, I can't stop building. I'm on a mission from God. Got to get the band back together, man." All I know is there I was all alone on Skype, wishing for a friend to join me to do a podcast, but he didn't even bother to tell me he wasn't going to be there. Yeah, you know, I, man, literally, as a Welsh say, I was running from pillar to post, and uh, the communication might have broken down a little bit. I'm just saying. I kept thinking, you know, kind of like that Little Rascals episode when you're a kid, read that poem, that kind of nagging voice in the back. Remember that episode? No. Oh, yeah, that was a great one. It was where he was a really bad kid, and she assigns him the job of reading a poem because he wouldn't stop pelting people with spit wads and apples while they're trying to recite this poem. So he goes and plays hooky, he gets kicked out of school, and he's like fishing. And the whole episode, he has this little voice going, read that poem, read that poem. And at the end, he goes up in tears and reads it, which isn't as cool as like when he's throwing apples at kids. But all week, I heard a voice saying, call Pete Mitchell. Call Pete Mitchell. And you didn't and listen I, to the voice. I was sad and forlorn. And, and then I had to approach you with tears, you know, and recite the poem. Yeah, this is this is pretty much the way you treat me. Say my name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
the best was after you leave me high and dry and then don't respond to my texts because I guess you're on a plane or something. I don't know. Hey, man. Even, then even then we, we do finally for the first time in a month, we do hardcore church planning. And what does Peyton do on this one? Oh, hey, I'm going to be late. You just go ahead and jump on there because I realize you got nothing better to do with your life than, you know, pick up for me. And I'll eventually get on there and talk to the guy. Hey, it, does this need to be aired out publicly? I mean, should we oh, yes. be in therapy with like a marriage counselor? I am sure we should be in therapy. There's no <laughs> doubt in my mind that's necessary in yeah, our relationship. I made, I made it not only on time, but early. You did. Uh, Probably because I replied back, no. <laughs> No, dude, it was literally, it was like the airport chase scene in a bad chick flick, you know, which is kind of all of them. And uh, I was on my way and I'm like, you know, Siri's telling me, you're going to make it. I was doing a site visit for uh, some future training and it, we had to change the time. And I was just like, man, so we had this Australian guy who I guess he thought we were on central time. So he told us the wrong time. He's like, it'll be 9 a.m. my time on Wednesday because I'm in Sydney, but it'll be 2 p.m. your time. He thought we were central, and we are Pacific Standard. Yeah. So. See, I could have told you we're 17 hours difference. See, I didn't. I, I, hey, when a guy from Sydney tells you what time it is, your time. The only reason why I know we're 17 hours difference is because, like, last week I was talking to a guy in Australia. <laughs> and That's 1 awesome. p.m. my time was 6 a.m. his time. So You almost impressed me there for a minute, Mitchell. But now I know. Well, because we're thinking about putting on an event together out there in Australia. Nice. Oh, I know. Am I, am I going? Am I invited? Do I get to go to Auslan? Well, you can go all you want. I mean, they got lots of plane flights. Yeah, cool, man. Are we going to pick a fight with uh, Michael Frost? Um, No, because it's too hard to get my knife through uh, TSA. At the airport. <laughs> and if you're going to fight Michael Frost, you got to have a knife. I mean, that's just kind of. I got to say on hardcore the other day, our smack talk at the end with uh, Graham Hill was pretty funny. It was. It was pretty good. Well, that's actually the only good part, actually, <laughs> on all of it. But, uh, hey. insult our guest. I dig it. No, I didn't mean it like that. I meant, anyway, I, I guess I didn't mean that, but that's. Okay, just insult me. <laughs> I am so stopped. You know what? This I think I need to just edit out the whole beginning of this podcast. Just no, don't start over from the beginning. Keep it, baby. Keep it. So uh, we got a comment this week, which yes. I got to read to everyone because it's it's just classic. Are you going to read it in Spanish? <laughs> Yo quiero Taco Bell. That's yeah. the ex the extent of my Spanish. Hey, like I always say, that's all you need. You know what's funny is I don't think I went to his website and he gave us his website. So I got to check that one out. But anyway, Santiago. And I'm not even going to try and pronounce the last name because I'm sure I would screw it up. His comment is, hi, I love the podcast. Seriously, it's the only thing I listen to while driving or walking. Sometimes my wife gets jealous of you guys because she wants to talk with me while I'm listening to the podcast. Of course, I totally ignore her. Just kidding. Sort of. <laughs> like, that was the best part of it. That was. That was a good, hey, Santiago, well done. You made us laugh, man. I totally ignore her. Just kidding. Sort of. <laughs> oh, and then, and then, oh, here was the best part. I was wondering, 
How about making a list of the resources you mentioned in the podcast, like books, authors, preachers, and other stuff? A text list under every episode in iTunes slash Stitcher, especially when mentioning really old books or preachers that are unknown. It'd be a great resource for those of us who want to find out more after listening to an episode. Santiago, here's the thing. I totally believe that that is a great idea, but here's how this relationship works between me and Peyton. Peyton's going to go, that's a great idea, Pete. Why don't you go ahead and do that? Of which I'm going to say, I don't know who these people are. I got no time to go look up anything. You put it on the computer and he's going to go, I don't know how to use the computer. I just show up and it's never going to happen. So Santiago, I would take it as a personal favor if you actually put that together for us and then we'll add it. So if you want to do that, I'm happy to add. Yeah. And uh, if you want to uh, get in touch with me, Santiago, uh, I think, did we email him back? Santiago, I will email you. I just, I emailed him back and I said, because he's, then he goes on and he says, uh, uh, by the way, I'm from Tierra del Fugo, Argentina. And he gave a link to his uh, Google Maps. And he said, P.S. Tell Peyton, I still want to translate Church Zero. Spanish speakers need to read it. And uh, all I replied back was, suddenly I'm filled with memories of Madonna singing, don't cry for me, Argentina. You said that to him? Yes. That's awesome. (laughs) And he's thinking, curse that. (laughs) Never hear the end of that. I I love it because he's out of the country, man. I love the emails from out of the country. It kind of makes me feel important to be blunt about it. I'm like, wow. Santiago, no joke now. I will approach David C. Cook, Publishers Limited, and I will ask them if they would be willing to do a Kindle version in Spanish. I don't don't think it would cost them hardly anything. Just swap out the text, make a Spanish version. Well, yeah, but who's going to translate it? To translate it, yeah, but it would probably have to be free of cost. So, if you want to uh, undertake. Um, translating, like I said, I'll send you an email and uh, it would be a labor of love completely because I don't think they're budgeting a Spanish version unless you hit like the bestseller list, which Church Zero did not. (laughs) (laughs) That doesn't mean it's not a good book. It just means it didn't hit the New York Times. Ironically, I knew when I wrote that book, it was going to cheese leaders off. I wrote it knowing that and uh, it did. Well, as I always like to say, oh, what's in the box? I love that. <laughs> I love that quote. So then I also got another email here, and this is going to actually transition into something that I, I want to talk about. Oh, wait a second. Oh, no, this is a serious topic. I got to tell you some funnier smack talk first. All right. I didn't get to share this with you on last week's podcast, and I so wanted to share this on the podcast, and then you didn't show up for the recording time. The old wound is not healed. It's never going to be healed. In fact, you're going to hear about this probably for weeks, maybe months. (laughs) So, man. So it's like being married to two people. uh, Actually, it's nothing like being married to two people. (laughs) But anyway, so last week, I'm uh, I I got a home office. That's where I do most of my work from, and I I felt like a, a a snack or something. So. I, I got to tell you, I love having kids because now we get all the really cool snacks. Like they got these little yeah. packets of gummy worms, but or, or gummy bears, but they're shaped like Star Wars characters. Do you get those? No. Oh, they're awesome, right? What? You know, you get to eat the Millennium Falcon and C three PO and Yoda and all that stuff, right? So, 
I go in the kitchen, I grab a bottle of water, and I, I my wife always goes, you're really eating your son's food? <laughs> I'm like, yes, I'm eating my son's food. Yeah, yeah. see, I, I was going to ask you. My next question is to be like, hey, man, do you have to sneak it? Oh, yeah. I do. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> totally got to sneak it. Mama so, bear, man, she's like, don't eat my cubs' food. So so I go and I grab it, and you know, and I go out to, to my, my desk, and all of a sudden, man, I, I don't know what's going on. I literally don't know what's going on, and I swear I have got a booger that will not come out of my nose. It's like it's back there in the back, right? And I'm like, what the heck, right? And I'm like blowing my nose profusely trying to get this booger to come out of my nose. And and all of a sudden, finally, I'm like, I got, I have to like, I got to give it the old college try. One more shot. And I blow and it gets stuck right in that little lip, right where your nostril starts, right? And, you know, and I'm like trying to dig this little booger out. I finally get it. And it's a gummy. I don't know what happened. I must have coughed while I was chewing the gummies. And it burned, man. It burned all the way down my nose. And now my nose is sticky and like from sugar. And I can't get the sugar out of the little lip in the nostril. I'm dying, man. It burns so oh All I can God. say is do not make gummies go down. Oh I don't even know how it happened. I don't remember sneezing. I don't remember coughing. I just, it gets stuck, man, and I'm, I'm in pain. I'm I can't pain. believe this is actually a true story. It's a true story. Dream about stuff like this. This is too stinking good, man. I don't know how it happened. I really don't. <laughs> I had to have been coughing while I was chewing gummies. I don't, how else does it, like... Shoot up the back of your because it was way back so, there, man. So here we go. So I, I want to start a new competition. This competition <laughs> is um, this is a game. It's kind of like name the Schumacher's baby uh, off the Gary Shandling show, or if that's twenty something years old, then uh, how about uh, pin the tail on the donkey? But but this is like a mystery game, kind of like the one minute mystery. There's a room, no windows or doors. Man is found dead, puddle of water on the floor. How did he die? How did the gummy bear get up Pete's nose? That's the new competition. You need to, where, where did they text or email or phone in the answer to this, Pete? You can leave it as a review. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be happy to take your, your submissions as a review on iTunes. Let's just say our reviews for this show are very unique. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so I'm going to take my best stab at a, at a theory here. Um, I have two, two that just come to mind right away. Number one, you're eating gummies. You, uh, let me just do a little bit of Lieutenant Columbo work here. Pete, did you have a cold around the time no. this happened? No. Okay. So I think maybe you laughed at something, you know, it could have been the old podcast could have been, and, uh, you snorted and, uh, just went up the, uh, nasopharyngeal pathway, which is what that's called. Uh, where the uh, the mouth and the nose meet together at the back of the throat. They actually join uh, airways. I, I, I know they join, actually. <laughs> and, and I have proof now. <laughs> some people don't know science, so we have to, you know, we have to educate them, Pete. It's part, part of our burden as podcasters. And uh, so, so I'm thinking you snorted, chuckled, you know, whatever, and it just kind of like when you, you know, you're drinking milk and you laugh and it sucks the milk up. I think you sucked a gummy up. I, I had to have. 
But when it happened, it didn't burn like milk. It just lodged. It it burned bug bug on the way out, man. I'm telling you. But that it then it was like one. That's so bad. Once I found out it was a gummy, I was like, well, that makes perfect sense. Why it was like so far in the back of my head. I'm like, dude, who has a booger back there? Like, wh- what the heck is going on? Why? I almost stopped you. Like, Pete, this story's too far, man. Like, like it was kind of too. And, and then in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, no, it can't be a gummy. <laughs> Did so, you okay, really think that? Did no, you re- I was. I was actually thinking because I, you know. That was like my fantasy that you had a gummy, like Millennium Falcon stuck up your nose. All I would say was, was actually it was a it was a red gummy. So you know whatever flavor that was, cherry. I don't know, but uh, probably didn't start off a red gummy. <laughs> no, it was, it was, it was a red gummy. But it was uh, so sticky. Know, it was the sugary sticky in the nose. It was awful. Gross me out. I can't talk about the stuff that I've seen because it's way too gross. There was something else that happened that I told my wife. I'm like, this is so going on the next podcast, and I can't remember what it was now. Okay, okay, but but I have a second theory. I have a second theory. Second theory is um, you fell asleep on the sofa. Again, watching TV. I was not. No, this is a work day. I'm I'm in the middle of working. You know, I was just talking to Barry um, on the magazine. I was just talking to him about um, when Ed Stetzer, (laughs) we interviewed Ed. I think if we interviewed him once or twice. No, just once. And Apparently, goes, that's all we can get Ed for because we've, yeah, we've yeah. attempted to get him again. Yeah. So he goes, uh, by the way, he goes, um, he goes, I, who are you guys? Are you? <laughs> he goes, you just sitting around, a couple of guys having a beer. What's, what, what, what's he goes, going on? No, but what was better is he goes, you guys just sitting around drinking a, drinking a couple of beers in mom's basement <laughs> doing a podcast. <laughs> Uh, no, Ed, we're, I'm 42 and, uh, <laughs> but, but yes, we're still in mom's and basement. Yes. We, we, I mean, being in mom's basement has nothing to do with this head. Well, before but, we get on to, to the rest of our smack no, no, talk, no, second, second theory, oh, second theory. Yeah. Here, let me hear it. Okay. So you fall asleep on the sofa. Luke is eating the gummies and he has seen empire strikes back. You know the scene where the Millennium Falcon goes into the cave on the meteorite? Yeah. Down the dark hole. You see where I'm going with this? Nope. And he puts the Millennium Falcon right at the opening of your nose, and he pushes his little finger in there and relives Empire Strikes Back on the asteroid and pushes that sucker up your nose. That could be the case, but it's just not. You don't know that. I do know that. You might have fallen asleep. I wasn't asleep. And you would have no memory of this. I was wide awake. That is my new fantasy. So before we actually get into the rest of our smack talk, because I do have something I need to share, and we are almost out of time. Peyton, why don't you tell them what we're going to be talking about for the serious part of the podcast? Uh, There is no dichotomy here, Pete. There is no serious part of the podcast. Haven't you learned that yet? Uh, We're going to talk today about how to reach the young folk. I dig it. I yeah, dig it. Young people, um, millennials. And and where I'm coming from, I know I, I should just announce the title, but where I'm coming from on this is I want to talk about how would you, how should you, how was the previous generation, the boomers reached? How was the millennials not, uh, how, how is Generation X not being reached? How are the millennials not being reached? And what would you do? Boom. I dig it. I dig it. So that's what we're going to be getting into in just a few minutes. I did get another email here that's going to transition nicely. 
So this is from Kyle. Uh, he said, Pete, I've been listening to the podcast for a long time. You sent me a $50 gift card for an excellent church planner podcast review. <laughs> so you were the one we have to buy our listeners. Anyway, <laughs> I just took on a role as a church planner up in Illinois and I'm super interested in what you were saying about making money as a consultant. I think this would fit my skill sets and gifts as well. Uh, just putting a plug that I am interested if this happens, please let me know. I'd love to learn more. You demand Kyle. So Kyle, thank you so much for that. And uh, for the other guys who've reached out to me um, over the last uh, couple of weeks, I appreciate you reaching out. And I got to just share something really quick. Something really kind of amazing happened this last week. This is a God thing, man. It is. So uh, there's a buddy of mine who's who's not saved. But he's got one of the best consultant training programs I've ever seen. And I've gone through it twice. Um, he's a good friend of mine. He was just in Fiji a couple of weeks ago where uh, a group of seven people paid, I believe, $45,000 to go through his training. Each. 45000 each, each yeah. to go through his training. And so he's very, very high end. And, and so as I was telling like Daniel Williams over there in Florida and, and Travis and a couple other people, I'm like, you know, I could train you guys how to do this stuff. But man, if I could just use my buddy's stuff, it'd be so much easier because, I mean, he's already put everything together. He's been doing this for 40 years as a consultant. He's just got it all. So uh, the, the, uh, the guy formerly known as white Tyrone. He and I have been talking about this for a while. And um, he's like, look, I think we just need to pray about it for a week or two before, before you approach him. I was like, you know what? I think you're right. Cause I do want to approach him. I just want to see if he'll say, you know, um, yes, he'd let me license it for church planners. Cause he, he has sold licenses to his material usually costs a lot of money up front and a percentage of every sale thereafter. And uh, so anyway, um, we prayed for about a week and a half, and so I told Tyrone, "I go, hey, look, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna email uh, my buddy, and and here's the email I'm gonna say." And he goes, "Hey, before you send it, let's go ahead and pray about it again." So we got on the phone, we prayed about it again, sent it off to my buddy, and um, he actually blew me away. He goes, "Look, man, I, I'm not gonna charge you to license it to help those guys. You can't sell against me, but if you want to use it for the church planners, I give you my blessing to use wow. anything I got for them." And That's he's insane. not saved. That's insane. Yeah. That is crazy. That's, that's really crazy. That's my so. dog, by the way. Can you hear my dog? <laughs> Boy, are your dog scratching. <laughs> it's so, not the scratching you're hearing. It's, and and it's then, something. interestingly enough, uh, when he hey, and I were talking, he, he actually goes, not you, Yeah, I know. He actually goes, uh, um, you can use anything I got. Anything, you know, I got for them, but uh, I'll be frank about it. He goes, I don't think you should give it to him. <laughs> yeah. He goes, he goes, you know how hard it was for you and you've got a background in this stuff. Yeah. He goes, they don't have a background in this stuff. He goes, you need to break out like one thing that they can do that'll generate the money immediately and do it much smaller pieces and do it like in a series, like 10, 10 classes as opposed to one giant three-day class I dig that so as they learn then they're gonna as they learn activity. and implement as they learn that's, implement that's make money now let's go and teach you the next one teach See, people next don't one. realize this you take a course and you don't implement and execute it means nothing yeah you have to execute 
whatever it is that you learn on these courses, or it was a waste of time. So that's, uh, that's what we're going to do. We're going to, um, piece it out. I still don't know exactly how I'm going to do it. I might, since I, cause I, I agree with him. I think a three day course might be too much. It'll, it'll bury him. I mean, the reason why I could take it is because I got a background in it and I already understood half the stuff, but I've also had a couple of buddies who I've recommended go through, um, his training and, uh, and they've gone through it. And I don't think any one of the three people who I've sent through there have done anything with it other than me. Mm. And I think part of it is because it's my background. I get it. Like, yeah, to me, it just made sense. I was like, okay, I get it. I can totally see how I can use this to, to increase income and so on and so forth. So anyway, guys, that's coming, man. That's, that's coming Super right cool. around the corner. I'm really Super stoked cool. about it. Well, yeah. that's a Lord, man, that, that, cause you and I were talking and, and you had me look at it. <laughs> you and said I, to me, your exact words were, I don't think he's going to go for it. <laughs> yep. Yep. I'm like, no way. He's not going for this. So luckily we have Pentecostal friends and uh, they go, Hey man, let's pray about it a couple weeks. Gotta, gotta love people that walk in the power of the Holy spirit. Yeah. So anyway, I'm stoked about that. That's so cool, man. we uh, we're definitely over our, our smack talk time. You ready to get started? Yeah, man. So okay, you ready for my smack talk? Oh, Just kidding. Please. All right, let's go. All I don't right, have any? Here we go. Let's go. Welcome. You are. This week's episode of the Church Planter Podcast is brought to you by No Give. Oh, I have missed the M, the O, the G, and the I. And let me not fail to mention the V. Dot <gasps> com. No forward slash church. <laughs> hey, Peyton, let me ask you a little question here. Have mm-hmm. you been thinking about getting started with online and text-based giving? Mm-hmm. Have you been wanting to get your members and parishioners to give to you when it's convenient for them, not just on Sunday, but maybe when they get their paycheck on Friday? Mm-hmm. Would you like them to set up automatic reoccurring giving so it just comes in every month like clockwork? Mm-hmm. You need mogive.com forward slash church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that one kind of freaks me out because I could <laughs> see your face, man. I was I was waiting. I was trying every way I could to freak you out. <laughs> M-O-G-I-B. No E. They are the longtime sponsors of the Church Planner Podcast and <laughs> our new best friends. They are our new best friends. In fact, I spoke to Kent Woodyard from MoGive this week, and I got to be honest, every time he calls, I think he's listening to the podcast and he's firing our sponsorship, <laughs> but he said he keeps hearing from you guys on a regular basis, so he's really happy. And uh, I will say this, fantastic. I, I, will, I will slide this in here. We did have a church that uh, that did notify me that they use MoGive, and they sent me the link, and I will actually say this. They did get a little something, something. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there, guys. I don't give to you if you don't have Mo give. Mm-hmm. And you want Pete to give you? Trust me, because so the other thing too is Mo give already has all my information. You think I want to go out to all these different sites and give them all my info? I just Absolutely. log into my Mo give account and I go, go ahead, you, go ahead, you, you help these guys out. Go for it. Give them a little something, something. And just to sweeten the deal, if Pete gives, he'll let me know, and I might just top it up with a little five dollar. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just saying, guys, you know, 
Send, send us your MoGive links. But uh, anyway, Peyton, let's go ahead and, and get on with our, our topic at hand. Doc, take us out or take us in. Great, Scott. It's time for this week's topic. kind of miss Doc Brown, to be honest. Me too. I thought you were going to say, Doc, take us away, and it was going to be a whole Calgon experience. What? <laughs> oh, that was going to be my smack, Doc. You know, I had that video come out about trans in the can. Oh, that was great. Oh, my gosh, dude. The, 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 it, it was amazing to me. I expected a serious amount of backlash. But the uh, the body of Christ is ominously silent when it comes to the gospel, man. The gospel should always, no pun intended, trump our politics. And uh, people cannot right now see past this issue to see the to the soul. And I honestly, guys, I think this is a ploy of the enemy. I just think whenever these things come out, um, guys, we've lost the cultural battle. We've lost the culture war. Your kids are going to grow up in a world very different, and the church is not going to be able to save us politically. Okay, just get over it. But here's the deal. As we're losing, as we've lost the cultural battle, what do you want the world to know about Jesus? That has, and I'm speaking from a guy who lived 12 years in Britain and had to operate like all European Christians do right now, having lost the cultural war. So, you know, it's funny, man. Some Sometimes I see this stuff and I think, uh, yeah, they don't get it yet. And they're just doing more and more damage to the actual cause of Christ. Because what, what that video was about was the gospel. People haven't been ripping into me. Um, but But what's really weird is I'll see like, a hundred people saw this, only like two people like it. And I'm like, okay, you know, this is the politics, man. And this is pure, hardcore gospel. So that's my rant. I would just like to say that if you do watch Peyton Jones trans in the can, you need to look at the videos on the right side of the screen because that, that actually makes watching the video worth it. No, the no, man boob terrible. ones. Come on. The man boob. Why does that one come up? We need to change that. <laughs> I'm just like you I said, know. we lost the cultural war. Mamma mia, that's a spicy meatball. <laughs> I miss him. <laughs> so uh anyways, hey, so uh and you can check that out, guys. Um it is uh Ninja Church Planting. It is my YouTube uh channel that has launched recently. There's about six videos. In fact, there are even our cribs. If you haven't seen the cribs, you need to go in there and watch that. It's pretty good. I love how when you did the cribs one, you're like, well, I kind of want to do this, but I don't want to be the first one. Well, you waited a year and now you're the first one. No kidding, right? Yeah. So we were sending those out to guys and we're trying to get other guys to do it, but everyone's too freaked out. We, 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 we should told- get we should get our guy from Argentina. He needs to send us Santiago needs to send us a oh. video of his crib. Oh, Santiago, please. We'll put it in Church Planner Magazine. By the way, guys, if you saw our Cribs video and you want to do some Church Planner Cribs, show us where you worship, show us where you work, show us whatever you want. Well, that's not true. Um, <laughs> going back to the man boobs off. We, we will so edit. Far. We will yes. edit. Um, show, us, uh, show us things that are relevant to church planning and uh, your station in life, and we'll, we'll put it in the magazine if, it, if it's worthy. We got no food. We got no jobs. 
our pets' heads are falling off. Now can we actually get into our topic? Yes. So, hey, how are we going to reach this generation? We we had the boomer generation, and I'm looking at Facebook. They are not in any way, shape, or form like this current generation. Um, the the way that they talk about spirituality, about God, their Christianity. Everything is different. And the way that they came to God, we saw a whole generation come to God under uh, what, what would you know be classified as a pseudo revival called the Jesus movement. And so a bunch of people, you know, during the hippie and post hippie era flocked to churches. Calvary Chapel was kind of at the forefront. It started in San Francisco in the Haight-Ashbury district with a bunch of acid dropping hippies. And uh, they started getting saved. And again, this is one of those times. I write about it in my next book coming out. It's going to be called uh, Reaching the Unreach, Becoming a Raider of the Lost Art. Um, and it talks about, you know, how God moves outside of the church a lot. That I personally don't see churches, this is very countercultural, as being the great hope. I see believers um, operating outside of churches being the great white hope. And that's historically how God has moved, whether it's the great awakening, um, the reformation, usually God works outside of the status quo out there. And so that's what happened in Haight-Ashbury is just a, a complete move of the Holy Spirit. Well, that started migrating back down because hippies were hitchhiking all up and down the coast of California. And, uh, the, it basically, uh, landed in the lap of a guy named Chuck Smith. Um, some of these hippies came down and um, they started coming to his little church. He was a four square, uh, very um, traditional kind of pastor. And uh, his daughter, he hated uh, hippies, but his daughter started bringing home Jesus hippies uh, before the movement completely uh, burst open. And uh, God had to overcome his prejudice. But all that to say, that sparked a fire that consumed an entire generation and those hippies came to Christ in a big way. And of course, now when you go to a lot of mega churches on the West Coast here, particularly in the, the Bible Belt that is Southern California, you see these hippies um, all grown up, uh, losing their hair, silver haired, and uh, they're dying off. And as a result, our churches are shrinking, but they're shrinking by attrition mm. as people are getting cancer and dying. And with the death of the members of the movements, uh, are dying. The boomer churches are dying. And because we still got a lot of size, these are leftovers. This is a remnant. Um, we haven't struggled yet. You know, in Britain, you can still find the big church buildings that have 10 people in them. Those are the remnants. And because they had the building and they had the crowds for a while, panic did not set in. But let's shift gears now and talk about what's happened in the last 20 years. Um, my generation was known as Generation X, and Generation X was lost. My generation was lost, and uh, the um, uh, the intervening period, because Gen X was lost, and they left the church in droves, now the millennials, church isn't even on their radar. And I want to talk about, if you were looking at it, so for example, um, a lot. Of, uh, if you were looking at how to reach this generation, what cultural ends would you take? And the reason I mention that is that church planning is nothing short of missionary work. 
And we've kind of said this for a long time that um, thinking like a church planner is thinking like a missionary. I've just been reading through uh, Ed Stetzer's Planning Missional Churches, and he brings that out as well. Um, by the way, pick that book up if you can. It's good. Um, it's worth your read. The original was fantastic. One of the best books out there on church planning. And the uh, revised version has yours truly in it on page 67. So I um, mean, go check that out. <laughs> I, love, I, I love how you give them the, the page. Don't page You don't need to read anything else. Just go flip to page 67. <laughs> yeah, that's all you need. Um, all you need is page 67. And uh, it's cool, you know, so uh, it, it's an honor to be in that book, to be honest. But um, the, the reality is, you know, if I'm looking at how to reach this next generation, what's going to be my strategy? So the hippies, uh, their cultural end was that Jesus, although he was not a hippie, um, much of what he said resonated with the hippie generation. Much of the values, um, the fact that Jesus was anti-establishment. Um, the fact that he went outside the status quo, the fact that he cared uh, for the poor, the fact that he wasn't the man, that the man hated him, all that stuff resonated with people, that he was non-materialistic, that uh, he says, you know, your life consists of more than food and drink or clothing and possessions, and that really resonated. So if we're looking at this generation today, what is going to resonate? And so I want to, I want to just maybe pull back a bit, Pete, um, and maybe get a, you know, kind of man on the street uh, interview here and, uh, you know, ask you for a second, as you're looking at, at this young generation, these millennials, right? Um, my generation was kind of in between, but what do you see? You're a Gen this? Xer, right? Yeah, I'm a Gen Xer. Yeah. Pete, what are the characteristics that you see in this generation? If you're a missionary and you're looking at them, what, describe this generation to me. Um, well, I would pretty much just write them all off, and yeah, uh, that's why I'm like not Chuck a Smith. Yeah, yeah, like Chuck Smith. I hate those hippies. Well, I can't be Chuck Smith. Um, I, you yeah. know, what would I say about this generation, about the millennials? And uh, what regards? Like, do you mean how well, the work ethic i mean what, what are you yeah, referring to all that all that stuff because i actually hear conflicting things about that but i'm i'm keeping my eyes open and you know i've i don't know i've seen a lot of conflicting things i would say um there's a reason that there are generalities because a lot of times the generalities are true right i mean they're 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 true to a degree any individual person can buck the trend but there's still a trend um, I do fear for a generation that's been raised where everybody gets a trophy for showing up. Mm. And there is, there, there definitely is a lot of the, um, this should be given to me attitude. Uh, and I think that's one of the reasons why you see, um, politically so many people support, uh, you know, really socialistic ideas and in that yeah. age group, because they haven't been out in the real world. They haven't had to fend for themselves yet. They're so young, right? I mean, they're, you know, maybe in college or whatever, and mommy and daddy are still footing the bill for college and their rent. And yeah, it, it's interesting because this generation has a um, a sense of like, and here I go, sound like an old man, but, but I actually, let me just say, I don't know that it's all that different though from other generations at that age. I think it's it's part of in our society in the United States when you're going through that, you're still coddled. Like you're still taking care of, even if you didn't get the whole oh, trophy, yeah. 
you've still been taken care of. Yeah, I, I think that's true. But but the idea today, for example, like I bought an iPhone and I balked at the price, man. Like, but I would I would never buy that for my kid. I'd be like, no, your kid, you can't have that. But it seems like. Uh, as time goes on, you know, people are parents are, are just, oh, you have to have that because you're a human being. So you need this. And what's happening, I think, is people, there's been a shift in mindset from what you need to what you want. And wants mm. have been miscategorized as needs nowadays. Oh, I'm a normal human being. I have to have a smartphone or I have to. You know, I would agree with that. And I actually fear that with my son. Because uh, he gets anything he wants. Yeah. And I mean, it's not me Richard Pryor. What's that? Did you buy him Richard Pryor, though? What do you mean, would I buy him Richard Pryor? Have you ever seen the movie The Toy? Did he do that in there? Yeah, he buys buys Richard Pryor for his son. I don't think you could get away with that in today's society. (laughs) Talk about changes. I'm pretty sure you you could. You especially can't talk about buying black people. That's what I'm saying. You could not buy a black man in today's society in a movie (laughs) and get away with it. But that, but that was kind of the fun. That's what Richard Pryor brings. He's like, you're not supposed to buy black people anymore. I don't know if you know this. But he tells a rich guy, it's a fantastic movie. But yeah, I, I, you know that, that. Yeah, I'm just saying that's one of the things that I actually fear about my own son because between his grandmother and my wife, the kid wants for nothing and believes that he should have everything. And, and ironically, I was talking to my parents about. Not so much about that, but about my growing up with my dad being a pastor and my mom essentially a stay-at-home mom with uh, – she sold Avon on the side. That's so cool. And my dad – my mom was saying that my dad's salary at the church was like fifteen or 16000 a year, whereas the average person's salary in the area was like thirty to 35000 Right. And I didn't re- – I mean, just – that's to put it into perspective. It was basically half as much because – I remember, I mean, it's a joke between Jamie and myself today where I was like, yeah, I always wanted that growing up. But, you know, I knew better than to ask my parents because I knew we didn't have the money. Right. Because anytime I did ask for something, it was like, we don't have the money. We can't do that. We can't do that. Right. And I never realized that growing up because that was just the way life was. Right. I I didn't feel like I lost out. I just, we didn't get it. I, I didn't know any different. But today... Because we do buy stuff for my kids all the stinking time, I can see that that huge difference. Yeah, it's it's really interesting to me because I'm I'm looking at this generation, and I'm seeing this idea that um, they they seem to me now because they haven't had to learn as much, like you said, the law of cause and effect. If if I went out. And I, I had to earn my car. I bought a $500 Plymouth Duster. Nice. I, yeah, man. And I had to pay for my own insurance. I literally had a job, part-time job after school that, um, I paid for my insurance and my gas. And I barely had like $75 left over at the end of that month for anything else I wanted. And that was kind of, my mom said, I'll buy your clothes and I'll buy your food. And pretty much everything else other than Christmas and birthday, that's how it goes. So single mom and uh, working, working two jobs actually, try to buy a house and give us what we could. But the the reality is I'm looking at this generation and, and some of what is hard is because they've been given everything, they haven't learned some of those cause and effect or 
you know, you got to really um, earn this. Or if you screw up, no one's going to scoop you out of it. I remember my dad told my brother, hey, uh, you, you, I have one rule because we went to go live with my dad at one point. He goes, I got one rule. Uh, you, you go to jail. Uh, you get yourself out. I don't come get you and save you. And of course, my brother proved that rule and uh, went to jail. Nice. And uh, nice. my yeah. And uh, so my 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 dad, you know, he, he didn't come get him. But here's the deal, right? I think this generation we learn we learned consequences. We learned that. But what's what's bad is that this generation hasn't had many of those experiences. But what's good about that? What I'm noticing about the millennials is they are risk takers. Because of this, perhaps this lack of understanding, uh, you know, the, the law of consequences, cause and effect, um, they, they will go for it. They will do things. And, and here's the other thing. I wonder if in our generation, it was what you owned, right? The boomers were all about what you have. They were raised by that generation, the one in the 1950s kitchen, and they grew up placing value on books you could hold in your hand, records you could have in a stack. Um, You know, this generation grew up digital. It wasn't about what they had. Mm -hmm. It was what they experienced. And so they're not uh, as much, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, materialistic. They don't have a bunch of albums or CDs. They have collections on iTunes or things they downloaded. But I think a lot of it is experience. They're more into what they can experience. And because of that, as I'm looking at this generation, for example, I got a buddy. His kid is a stand-up comedian, and he lives in this, like, shanty town in uh, L.A. where all these other struggling artists live. It's like a shanty town. There's, like, like fireman poles coming off the roof. There's, like, canvas awnings across his apartment. It's like a shanty town. It's crazy. There's like they 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 literally like fire up a barbecue and cook hot dogs and bake beans out in front like as a as a community. It's weird, man. They're dirt poor. And and what I've noticed is our generation looks at them and goes slackers and won't get a job, but what they're trying to do is go for entrepreneurial ventures. Right? They're trying to cut out and make it because they don't understand Hey, one in a hundred thousand people that goes for this is going to make it, but they're willing to go for it Hmm. because they're not materialistic. They're willing. They're risk takers. If we could harness this generation for the gospel, it'd be good night. It'd be like the hippies, man, these, these groups, because I believe that, that the gospel is an entrepreneurial faith and these guys risk everything to go after their dreams. Someone told them, Hey, you get a trophy for showing up. And aim for the stars, follow your heart, chase your dreams. Someone put all that into them and they're going for it, man. Yeah. And I think, um, I actually think that's, that's a mistake. <laughs> no, to tell, to tell their dreams. No, please. yeah, I do. I do. I think, I think, um, <laughs> I got a buddy who's a teacher in, uh, in the inner city. And he's like, yeah, all day long, all these other teachers are telling these kids, you can be anything you want. And he goes, it's a lie. No, you can't. And I think there are limitations, and you need to realize what your limitations are. Now, there are certain things that aren't limitations. Like, for instance, I could never be a basketball player. Like, it doesn't matter how much I want it. I'm not going to be a professional NBA player. I'm not good right. enough. I'm not tall enough. Right. 
Like right. there, there are literally physical limitations on what I can do. Of course. Yeah. And just to tell people that you can be anything you want, that's not entirely true. It's not. And you know, it's funny. I hear Gary Vaynerchuk saying very much the same thing. He's a, he's an entrepreneur. I follow Does he around. really? That's interesting. And I'm, and I'm not surprised that you're saying this because I think entrepreneurs that have made it know how hard it is and that most people who set out to become entrepreneurs fail. And so I agree with you, man. I, I think that, uh, it is, they've been, they've been sold. Uh, I mean, you know, they're, they're being told, Hey, follow your dreams. And they are putting work in. It's just a different, they're not going and working for an establishment. And I'm seeing a lot of, which is good by the way. I think that's, that's a great thing. Yeah. And I'm seeing Etsy and I'm seeing all these things, you know, the, the YouTube channels they're going for it. They're just unconventional, but they are risk takers. They're a risk taking generation. And I think a lot of it may be that we did not raise them to be materialistic. We raised them to be experience based. Mm. And so it's, it's really strange. Like I'm just noticing all these dynamics, but, but here's the thing where I think we're going to reach them is not church. They cannot walk in to a ginormous church building that, you know, like Francis Chan was speaking at Google. I posted this thing from Facebook. Yeah. You know, I didn't watch it. What, What was he saying? Well, it was really interesting. Like he was talking, he starts off talking about his, um, his kind of, uh, his shift where he was at Cornerstone. He said it took $4 million a year to run Cornerstone. And that wasn't a hugely big church, Cornerstone, but, uh, 4 million a year. Uh, that's a lot. Yep. And so this generation, they're not stupid. They understand how much money's going through our churches and they're looking at it going, mm-mm. Mm-mm. No, 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 no. This has nothing to do with Jesus. I don't trust you at the front. Uh, you are living high on the hog. I see those jeans you're wearing. You know, I, I see that. I see that watch you got. I see that designer shirt you're wearing. Mm-mm. I'm not into this and I ain't a part of it because they're out there doing things on Etsy to they're very socially aware, very socially conscious. They're they're huge believers in nonprofits um, helping. uh Doing things, as you know, in the marketing world that people are very much into um, benevolence and charity, giving back. So this generation goes to the church and they go, okay, we see you sucking this community dry, right? We don't see you giving back. Mm. I'm not saying churches don't give back, but they're looking. They're not stupid. They're seeing the math. It's ironic to me that the hippie generation um, became – uh, the exact opposite of what they stood against yeah. when they were hippies. And they built these churches that became the establishment, the man, um, and called it success. Whereas now that is a bottleneck to reaching people just like them. This generation is very much like them. And now they're struggling. Their churches. Can you imagine what it would look like if Jesus hippies had made a church that reflected the Jesus hippie culture rather than just changing the logo, making the worship modern, but just doing the same thing. So what I'm saying is if I'm an entrepreneurial, they, they do these collaborative spaces now. So the millennials right now in San Diego, there's all these downtown collaborative workspaces. They're interacting, they're forming hubs and communities wherever they're at meetup.com. Um, they're going to form communities around anything, jogging, yoga, you name it. This internet 
world is creating community. So the way to reach these guys is to go outside of church and form community or piggyback on the back of community. Kind of like Gary Vaynerchuk says. Gary Vaynerchuk says, don't go create the market, which is what the church tries to do. He says, follow the market. Anticipate the market. Go where the market's going already and, and get in there. And so if I'm looking at where community already is, why am I trying to start a brand new community for something that people don't want rather than going in? Like I was, I was talking to my cohort yesterday that I train, um, through the multiply for San Diego. And I, I met with them and I just said to him, I started telling him what we did in Europe, film club, um, Xbox tournaments. All of our college students would do those every other week. They would form this community. And then in the intervening weeks, they would do Bible studies. And this stuff just took off. It was off the chain, crazy cool, grew the church because it was, it was what people wanted. It was forming community around things that people were interested in, building relationships. And I think to reach this generation, the church and our mission is going to have to start looking like what they're already doing. And in the, in the New Testament, you got, it says they met from house to house. And in temple, in the temple courts, it was ministry and public spaces, but I'm already, uh, kind of anticipating my next book, which is called reaching the unreached. Um, yeah. So, you know, I find that really interesting. And I actually, um, I, I really agree with that because when I do watch some of these shows about, uh, they're, they're not real shows, right? They're, you know, sitcoms, whatever, but they're about startups in, Silicon Valley and stuff like that. And they're in a, some sort of, uh, you know, almost like a cohort, like you said, where there's a, there's a whole bunch of, uh, they call them incubators, right? There's a whole bunch of different companies and they're, they get free rent and, you know, the guy gets a percentage of their company because he's providing all of the facilities for them to work at and internet and all that stuff. And I find that, that really interesting because I didn't grow up in that kind of an environment where there is a cohort type of a, a mentality. And I kind of like that idea. So mm-hmm. I totally get what you're saying because I've run a meetup group and yeah. the people who come to it, it just kind of boggles my mind. Like I did one on marketing and every single month, cause it was a monthly group. We'd have 30 different people there. Like hardly ever would it be the mm-hmm. same people week after week, but like they would come because they wanted to know more about marketing. It just was crazy to me. There were yeah. always low caliber people, interestingly enough, at least that would come to the marketing <laughs> group, which is why we quit doing it after a year. I'm like, dude, so don't want to be working with these people. I'm not yeah. saying that that um, it would be the same for this because it literally is depends on what your topic is, right? That you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. But I could so see why the movie thing works, why the video game uh, thing works. And, and I think you could do it as simple as literally starting a meetup group like you talked literally. about. Yeah, literally. That's how that's how some of the church planners I've seen that are successful in the city, that's how they're doing it. Because I'm learning from the church planners I'm I'm training as well. But here's the deal. Um, not only that, but remember that video we saw, and I think we talked about it a couple podcasts ago. There was a video where the guy was doing that physical training 
And he was like yelling at people and going, come on, you've gotten soft. Where are you at? You're 40 years old, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he's, he's telling them, you know, and these guys are breaking down, crying, and they're sharing their feelings. Turns out it's a Christian thing. Guy drops an F-bomb in the thing. So I didn't think it was Christian. He's not, I know who you're talking about. He's not really Christian. Oh, good. Okay. He, he, uh, he's one of these guys who thinks he's Christian culturally. But he's he's about as far from being Christian as you can get. Well, well good, because I don't think you ought to be dropping F-bombs in your... Uh, no, you should have heard... I heard him live on stage. You should have heard his paraphrase of what Jesus said. And I wanted to go up there and beat him down. Yeah. So, okay, well, good. But but here's the thing. When I watched that, I didn't see it as a church thing. But, of course, as a, as a missionary of 12 years, I can't stop thinking like a missionary. So I'm thinking... This is going to resonate with every middle-aged man, every Gen Xer who's 40 years old, who has kids, who's got a big old flab around his midriff. You know, he's he's thinking, yeah, I, my my body tells me how I've compromised pretty much in area, every area of my life. I don't give my wife what she deserves. I don't give my kids what they deserve. I don't give my body what it deserves. I'm not feeding my mind like it deserves. And that was kind of the drive. And I'm like, you know what? They have these guys sitting around a campfire and they're talking, they're sharing their feelings, which guys don't like to do, but kind of need to. And all the daddy wounds and all that crap's coming out. Stupid train. And uh, can you hear that? Oh, yeah. And uh, so anyways, at the end of it, I'm thinking that's how you reach men. That's how you connect with men. You you, you go after this generation. I remember Bo Crisetto guy who write, wrote Beyond Awkward. He's specializing going into frat houses. We had him on Hardcore. Uh, and he, Actually, we might have had him on CPP back uh, oh, was in it the day. Really? It's been we, a long time, yeah. Yeah, and, and remember, he was saying that millennials, nowadays, it's not, it's not, um, it's pretty much life hacks. That's how they, and, and so he goes, the weird thing is, I would never thought, you know, felt needs was like your generation. He goes, but life hacks, that's what these guys, they're like, what works? Because they're trying to make life work. And that's how they're thinking about spirituality mm. is, what does it add to me? What what can I get out of it? What can I, and, and the reality is that's not, it's not necessarily a bad thing. If you look at how Jesus is sharing the gospel, hey, I'll give you living water. He's, he's giving that woman a life hack. You know mm. what I'm saying? Yeah. And so as, as we're looking at this stuff, um, it's, it's a matter you always find when you contextualize a gospel in another culture, there's always a group of people that think you're compromising or you're losing something. But the reality is to be an effective missionary, you need to do that. And then the last thing, cause I think we're out of time, aren't we? Oh, yeah. the, la- the last thing that we need, Pete, is we need to be speaking to addiction, mm. right? Because this generation Grew up on pornography, ate it for breakfast, ate it for lunch, ate it for dinner, and then as a midnight snack. They have been addicted to gambling online. They have been addicted to porn. They have been addicted to substance. They have been addicted to over-the-counter medication. They've been addicted. I mean, you name it, they've been addicted to it. And they are just so absolutely in bondage that uh, this is what I always tell my reform friends because – my reform friends, I came from a reform movement and background, but my reform friends always talk about grace and don't worry if you screw up. And I get that and I'm all for that. But at the same time, um, you need to be free if you're going to reach this generation. 
you can't be in bondage if you're going to be setting other people free. I'm sorry. I don't buy that all we need to do is tell people, hey, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Um, I think too much like an apostolic guy, like Paul writing the epistles going, hey, man, like Peter, hey, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. That's in the context of sanctification, not in justification. We need to be Romans 6 instruments of righteousness. That word could be translated weapons in the hands of God, righteousness. We have a job to do. We have a mission to fulfill. And uh, we're not going to be able to set others free if we ourselves are in bondage. And uh, so like Jesus said in John 17, I sanctify myself for their sakes. Mm. And uh, and I just think those are things we need to uh, to really focus on. Addiction, recovery ministries, those things, I'm telling you, people are struggling with that crap every day. And that is going to be a universal need until the Lord comes back. I feel you, man. I feel you. So let me ask you something real quick before we um, end everything up. <laughs> you know, with everything that you've been talking about, I uh, I don't really see you as much of a math pastor, per se. You're more of a, an apostolic type person. You know, Paul talks about those who are lived all their life in fear of the bondage of death. I live in the fear of the bondage of math. Of the IRS. <laughs> yes, indeed. I have math anxiety and IRS anxiety. Well, you know, I just wanted to let you know, I actually found out about a solution, uh, you know, a while back, but uh, I'm going to share it with you today. It's called simplifychurch.com. And one of the things that they do is they just make your church simplified. They take that care of so simple, Pete. Tell me more. Well, they take care of all that math that you're talking about, the IRS issues, the workman's comp issues, the website issues. In fact, if it has to do with the back end math, ugly part of church, they take care of it. What? Payroll? Get out. They know how to do payroll for pastors. It is different. Housing allowance? They know how to handle it. They do it all when it comes to simplifying your church.com. Wow. You know, Pete, sign me up and simplify me. Simplify my church. Head on over to simplifychurch.com and tell Josh Pete and Peyton sent you. <laughs> <laughs> they just need to see your face. They're like calling the jungle book. Trust in me. <laughs> Say my right. name. I love it. Well, hey, guys, uh, this has been uh, hard. Uh, no, no, wait, wait. Which one is this? The Church Planner Podcast with Peyton Jones and Pete Mitchell reminding you if you want to reach ones nobody's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Music